In our last session, we addressed the awkward connection between saints and civil authority. More specifically, between the Christian and a corrupt civil authority. What do we do when our government supports, promotes, and endorses ungodly things? Are we willing to stand for what is right, even if standing for what is right cost us absolutely everything? But our standing for what is right is no excuse at all for standing for the right thing in the wrong way. We pick up our study this session in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. Uh, my goal for our session was actually to cover uh, eight or nine verses, but then what the Lord has laid on my heart is going to confine us to verses 16 and 17. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as a bond slave of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. On the surface of it, it is difficult to make the connection between what has been said previously and what is being said in verses 16 and 17. Peter has been addressing civil authority and our responsibility to honor those in authority and how we are to do that in a way that reflects the Spirit of God in our hearts and in our lives. And Peter moves from submission to authority to action as free men. You see it right there at the beginning of verse 16. Let me go back to verse 15. Let's just make the connection, put the dots together. For such is the will of God that by doing right, that is by showing respect and honoring authority, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. And then that phrase in verse 16, act as free men. Perhaps... Peter was addressing several in the congregation who felt submission to civil authority was an insult to their spiritual freedom. Or perhaps Peter anticipated the likely pushback from those who felt oppressed. But Peter is addressing, notice, spiritual freedom, which is a faith reality regardless of the governmental authority. Our freedom in Christ has absolutely nothing to do with the government under which we find ourselves. Now pay careful attention to the wording of this verse. Act as free men and, do you see the connector? Act as free men and do not. You see the emphasis? The emphasis is not on using our freedom the right way. The emphasis in Peter's heart and mind is on using our freedom the wrong way. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as, a, as bond slaves of God. So the focus of the verse, verse 16 here, is not on freedom, 
but on the misuse of freedom, on using our freedom as an excuse for standing up for the right thing in the wrong way or with a wrong motive. The word covering that we see here in verse 16 it carries with it the idea of hiding a dagger, that is concealing your weapon. And an odd side note, that's how the handshake came into being. There was so mistrust among individuals and the corruption that occurred that the attitude, the situation, the habit developed of extending the right hand, because most people were right-handed, and shaking the right hand of an individual, and in so doing saying, see, I don't have anything in my hand with which I might harm you. But what Peter is addressing is the idea of covering uh, with a cloak, a dagger to hide one's evil intent, or to, to put on a, a mask or a veil over something to hide evil intentions. And here's what you need to hear very carefully as we continue our study on this particular issue. And you need to hear me clear, and you need to understand it even clearer. You cannot stand for godly things in an ungodly manner and honor God. You hear it? Let that principle sink not only into your mind, but into your heart. You cannot stand for godly things in an ungodly manner and honor God. To do so reveals the reality that you do not fully understand your freedom in Christ. Look at verse 16 again. Act as free men and do not, here's the negative, do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. Or what are we to use our freedom for then? Peter tells us, but use it as bond slaves of God. The principle before us this session is absolutely mind-blowing. We have been set free to serve as slaves. Isn't that crazy? We are indeed free in Christ. If you have repented of your sin, placed your faith in Jesus and made him Savior and Lord of your life, if you are saved, heaven bound, rather fight than switch, you are free. Completely free, totally free, unequivocally free. John chapter 8 verse 36 tells us, Therefore, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Totally free, completely free, unequivocally free. You can shout from the rooftops with confidence and joy. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I am free at last. However, here is my question. You know you have been set free from something. You have been set free from sin and its consequences. But do you know what you have been set free for? You see, not only have we been set free from something, we have been set free for something. Look at verse 16 again. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as 
bond slaves of God. Peter says God freed us to be slaves. What? Aren't those two phrases contradictions? Not in the spiritual realm. God has set us free to be slaves. And the word for bond slave here is the Greek word douloi or, or, or doulos. We've actually talked about it before. And in reference to this situation, it really refers to someone who is a slave by choice. Why in the world would anyone choose to be a slave? Well, in biblical times, when someone owed a debt that they could not repay, they entered an agreement of servitude until that debt was paid off. The, the person to whom they owed the debt was their master, was their Lord, and they served under that master or that Lord until that debt was paid off. And then that bond slave, that doulos, was set free. But as he walked down the streets and he looked at everyone else in the city, he began to think to himself, you know, my master was good to me. My master treated me so much better than those that I see out in society. I am going to return to my master and I am going to choose to be his slave. When that bond slave, that servant, would return to the master and make that request to become a permanent servant in the household. They would put that individual up against the doorpost. They'd run an awl through his ear, put a ring inside. And when he walked down that city, that ring in his ear said to everyone who saw him, that man is a slave by choice. Can you imagine what that communicated about his master? His master must be great. His master must be wonderful. His master must be honest. He must be fair. He must be kind. Because this individual chose, he made the choice of being his slave. And that's what the word means that Peter uses right here. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. God has freed us to be slaves. You see, we are not free to sin. Peter is reminding us we are free to serve. We are not free to sin. We are free to serve. The Apostle Paul had to address this very issue in his letter to the Galatians. In the fifth chapter of Galatians, Paul is addressing this idea of liberty and service. We actually have posted on our YouTube site a sermon from Galatians chapter 5. Free at last, freedom that last. But in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul is addressing this issue of freedom. And how you have been free. I have been freed by God. We are free in Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, 
verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. A group of legalistic Judaizers had infiltrated the fellowship proclaiming belief in Christ was fine. It was well, it was good, but real salvation was Christ plus the keeping of the law. And Paul proclaimed with passion, power, and conviction, no, 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 a thousand times no. Salvation is faith alone in Christ alone. And he was telling the church of Galatia, do not let anyone put on your wrist or your ankles again the chains of legalism. But in verse 13, he has to address the other side of liberty. Those who viewed liberty as a license to do whatever they pleased. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, Paul writes, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Do you hear it? Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for uh, the flesh. What should they use their freedom for? He continues, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Here it is, but through love, serve. There again is the concept of service. It is again a, a, a form of the word doulos, slave by choice. But through love, serve one another. Which takes us back to 1 Peter chapter 2. We are not free to sin. We are free to serve. So what are the characteristics of a slave? What identifies an individual as a servant or a slave to someone else? Well, number one, a slave serves another. He does not serve himself. A slave serves another. A slave has no rights other than those granted to him by his owner. Third, a slave comes under another's authority. Now I ask you, does not that sound very much like the Lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives? We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. We do not serve ourselves we serve Him who saved us by His grace. We have no authority other than the authority granted to us by another. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul back in Romans chapter 6. Again, Paul was addressing this issue of freedom and abuse, uh, liberty in Christ, and how one might misinterpret that. In fact, there were a group of individuals within the church at Rome who said, listen, we understand the concept of being saved from sin, of God providing grace for our sin. So if we want more grace, the more logical thing to do is sin more. <laughs> because the more we sin, the more grace God's going to give us. 
You think that is absolutely insane? Listen to Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? What were they asking? Shouldn't we sin more so that we get more grace? And Paul says, may it never be. What an insane application of grace. But then he continues his discussion uh, on uh, grace, liberty, having to be uh, freed to serve or free to be a slave. In in Romans chapter 6, we pick it up in verse 16. He begins to compare freedom and slavery. In Romans 6, 16, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, do you hear it? Present yourself as what? Slaves. When you present yourself as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey. You are going to serve someone, is what Paul is saying either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. You are either going to be a slave to sin and the end result of being a slave to sin is death or you're going to be a slave to obedience and the end result of the result of obedience is righteousness, right standing with God. He continues in verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart. Matter we said, service is a choice. Being a bond slave means that you are a servant by choice. It's a heart issue. Became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching in which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became, here it again, slaves of righteousness. Verse 19, I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented yourselves as members, uh, uh, your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. And we have talked about sanctification. It is that process of moment by moment, day by day, being conformed to the image of Christ in our character and our conduct. So when we are slaves, servants, to right standing with God, the result of that right standing with God or the result of that service to righteousness is we become more and more like Christ in our character and our conduct. He continues in verse 20, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When you were a slave to sin, you were free. You didn't have to worry about right standing with God. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? That sinful life. For the outcome of those things is death. If you choose to be a slave to sin, the end result is death. He continues, but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit. What's the benefit? Resulting in sanctification, moment by moment, day by day, being conformed to the image of Christ in our character and our conduct, but then the outcome of sin is death. What is the outcome of right standing with God or sanctification? The outcome, eternal life. 
And then he sums everything he said up in that wonderful verse 23, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, let us put our discussion together, tie it up with a nice, neat bow of personal application. How does this slavery to righteousness, this lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives, manifest itself to a watching world? I am so glad you asked. How do people around us know that we have become a bond slave, a slave by choice to God through Christ? Back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Peter tells us in verse 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Four imperative commands of how we demonstrate our spiritual servanthood to those around us. Imperative number one, honor all. No exceptions. All means all, and that's all all means. Honor all people. Peter said the way that you show to the world around you that you are a slave of Christ, that you have been set free from sin to serve the living God, is that you honor all people. You show respect to everyone. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. The word for love there is the Greek word agapete. And we are very familiar with the word agape. Multiple words in the Greek language that meant love. We are uh, very familiar with uh, phileo, the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. In, in our culture today, there's not much brotherly love in the city of Philadelphia, but that's where it got its name. Phileo means a familial, brotherly kind of love. Eros, which is a sexual, erotic love. And then there is that highest level of love, that God kind of love, Agape, which is a selfless, sacrificial, all-consuming kind of love. And Peter says we demonstrate that we are slaves to Christ by loving the brotherhood. How different would our churches be if we really loved one another to this degree? If we within the body of Christ we're quick to love others instead of quick to demand our rights. See, what happens so often in the church is we within the body of Christ are quick to demand our rights, our wishes, our preferences. Remember, we have been set free to serve others, not set free so that others might serve us. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. We continue in verse 17, fear God. Show reverent respect, adoration in action and attitude to God. It does not mean we fear as if we are, are tremble before God and we are afraid of God, although He is holy and He is mighty. It, it means that there is a reverence, a respect in action and attitude. 
that we respect God so much, that we fear God reverentially so much, that we do not want to do anything in our lives that might reflect negatively on Him. I believe I shared this story in another session. There's a story about a young lady who was going out with friends one night, and she said, and they were going to a questionable night spot, and she said to her friends, I, I think I ought not go. And one of her so-called friends teased her, are you afraid if you go, your father will hurt you? To which she replied, no, I'm afraid if I go, I might hurt my father. That is what it means to fear God. To have such a reverence and awe, a love and respect for God that we do not want to do anything in our lives that would reflect negatively on Him. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the King. Look at it in verse 17. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. What is he referring to? He is referring to civil authority. Should we honor the king because he deserves it? No. We do not honor civil authority because they necessarily deserve it. We honor civil authority. We respect civil authority. We show dignity towards civil authority because God demands it as a reflection of His Lordship in our lives. And we need to be honest with each other, and I need to be honest with you. If you live in the United States of America, and I'm being very specific because I know there may be some of you who are, are watching our video from other countries and you have a different civil authority, but in the current state of our country, it is very, very easy to fall into the trap of mocking, maligning, making fun of many today in government, those in civil authority. And I am not going to deny the reality that right now some of them are making themselves very easy targets. But that's not the point. They are worthy of our respect. We do not have to like what they do. We may be compelled by Scripture to stand against what they do. But remember, standing for the right thing in the wrong way never ever honors God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the King. May our freedom in Christ be reflected in our service to Christ so that those around us will be drawn to Christ. That is our mission. We will see you next session. Thank you for joining us in this session from 1 Peter. As you have been following us through this session, you have learned that Peter is seeking to encourage saints in the midst of their suffering by pointing them to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them. So 1 Peter is a letter of encouragement, and we hope this session has been an encouragement to you. If it has encouraged you, please let us know that. Knowing that we've encouraged you encourages us. 
If you are following us on YouTube, you can simply post a comment, or you can reach us at wordpowermm at gmx.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know how we can minister to you further. So please reach out to us. Hopefully, we'll see you next session. God bless.